It's a joy to be here this morning. I have to tell a grandkid story, you know, that's when you get old like this, you just have all these grandkids stories. And I love grandkids because you get to, y'all know this grandkid, you get to spoil them to death and then send them home, you know, and say, good luck kids, enjoy it. But, you know, we just spoil them to death and that's, that's what we're supposed to do. Well, years ago, we, uh, we played a, a, what we call walkie-talkie ride and seek on ATVs and UTVs. And uh, so we have three of them be girls against the boys. Oh, man, you can't beat that one either. And so what you do is each, one, each team has a walkie-talkie. And so you got your walkie-talkies on and one team will take off and they have to give three clues before they hide. So they're riding all over our 39 acres and they'll give clues kind of as they go. And they won't be big clues, but there'll be enough that you kind of know what direction they're going. And then all of a sudden they will say, we're going stealth, which means no more talking. Turn the walkie talkies off because you can kind of hear them every now and then if you don't turn them off. So the other team takes off. Well, in this time, the girls took off first. And the boys were, I mean, the girls were waiting and the boys took off and we were trying to think, where do we go? And I told Ethan and Aiden, I said, I know the largest cedar tree on this, on this land. It is huge. And we are going to climb up. And that already tells you that was years ago, right? For me climbing up a cedar tree, okay. We get way up there. I mean, we are way up in the trees. And we give the clues and we hear Janine and the girls coming in the UTV. And we knew they're coming by. And so we're really quiet and we see them coming. And it's in the woods and they drive all the way past us. Kept going that way. We're just laughing like crazy once they're gone. They ride around a while longer. All of a sudden I hear them coming again. Here they come back through the woods right past us. Forgot to look up. Forgot to look up. Finally, we had to get on the walkie-talkies and tell them where we were at. Because we were up a tree. And Zacchaeus this morning was up a tree. And Jesus looked up. And the whole life of that family changed. When Jesus looked up, the life of the whole family changed. We know the story, but I'm going to read it anyway. Luke chapter 19. Jesus entered Jericho and made his, uh, made his way through the town. There was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief of the tax collectors in the region, and he had become very rich. He tried in, uh, to, look up, uh, to look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd, so he ran ahead he climbed up in a sycamore tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up into Zacchaeus, and he called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down, and I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down, took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy, but the people were displeased. He was gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Jesus responded, 
Salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. So we have this guy, he's short. Jesus is coming to town, everybody knows it. They wanna see Jesus, they've heard about him. Zacchaeus being so short, has to get up in a tree because he really wants to see Jesus badly. Now he's not a real, uh, he's not a guy that people like in town, is he? Uh, you know, he's a tax collector. You and I, we get taxes. I don't like taxes, but it comes every year and you know, you just have to do it. You have to bite your uh, nails and just go ahead and pay the bill uh, when it comes. But for them, they never knew what they were gonna be charged. The system was very different. The system was that the Roman government would tell a tax collector, this is what the minimum you have to charge that we get. But then you can charge whatever amount you want from every person and that's all yours. <laughs> well, man, if I've been tax collector, the dollar signs are starting to roll up in my brain of how much can I get out of you guys? <laughs> how much are you really gonna pay at the end? And they also knew all of the people, if they didn't pay their tax bill, they'd go to jail. And so they really got robbed really bad by tax collector. And Zacchaeus was one of those. And you can tell whenever Jesus asked Zacchaeus to come down and be in the house, they were not happy campers, that he was one that Jesus talked to. But not only did he talk to Zacchaeus, he said, Zacchaeus, I wanna to go to your house. Now of all the people in town, <laughs> That, that Jesus would go to a house, everybody else was furious that it was Zacchaeus because he was such a rascal, Zacchaeus was. Now I wanna think this morning for a, a period of time, what Zacchaeus was thinking sitting in the tree. <laughs> I know Ethan and Aiden and I were thinking, these women are never going to find us up here. And they didn't. We were thinking, why wouldn't they look up? And we were just sitting up here in the top of the tree. Why wouldn't they look up? And I'm thinking about Zacchaeus. He's up in the tree. What's going through his brain? What is he thinking? The first thing I think Zacchaeus is thinking, he says, Jesus sees me. Of all of the crowd everywhere around, it was packed. And he looked up in the tree and Zacchaeus says, Jesus sees me. Because the scripture says he called him by name. He looked up and he called him by name. And you know, Jesus sees everything that we do. There's a couple verses here that I don't like in the Bible, but I'm gonna read them anyway. For the Lord sees clearly what a man does examining every path he takes. Proverbs 5, 21. Proverbs 15, three, the Lord is watching everywhere keeping his eye on both the evil and the good. Now, I'm not too excited about that one, that Jesus sees everything that's going on. He sees everything that I do. Matter of fact, there's other scriptures says he even knows what we think. Everything that we think, everything that we do, Jesus sees it. Now that's a little scary thing for me and, and it, it's, it's just not what I want to think about that Jesus sees 
watches and everything that's in my mind, he kind of sees it going through like a computer. So Zacchaeus is in the tree and he said, Jesus sees me. But he also says, Jesus knows me because he called me by name. They'd never met before. First time Jesus comes through Jericho, sees Zacchaeus in a tree and he says, Zacchaeus, and he calls me by name because he knows me. He knows every one of us. Matter of fact, in Matthew it says, he knows every hair that's on your head. Now, for some of you guys, that's not a big deal, right? <laughs> the number's pretty small. But for others, you know, that's, he knows every hair that's on your head. Now, I don't know whether that's a literal thing that he can count every one of them. He knows, but that's not the point. The point is that he knows little details about our life. And that's the point the scripture's trying to make. There's no little small thing that Jesus misses and it escapes him. He knows it all. You remember the story in John 4, the woman at the well? Jesus is going through Samaria and, and the scripture says, Jews were not gonna go through Samaria. That, the Samaritans were just really pagan people according to them and they weren't gonna go through Samaria. But Jacob's well was there and Jesus knew that there was gonna be a woman there at midday. And so he went there Conversation's kind of long, so I'll make it short. As they get there and the woman is coming for water that day and they start talking about water and Jesus obviously is going to get to living water. That's what he wanted to talk to the lady about. But he asked the lady a question. He said, why don't you go and get your husband? And the lady said, what? Uh, I'm not married. I don't have a husband. Jesus said, you know, you're right. Actually, you've had five husbands. <laughs> And the man you're living with is not even your husband now. Can you imagine the shock of that woman as she's sitting at the edge of the well and all of a sudden Jesus describes her life? Five husbands, the guy you're living with right now, he's not your husband. And they go on and they talk about religious things, but I want to add one other thing to that story because it is so important that I missed it for years. Uh, in this story because I look at all of the woman at the well and, and Jesus and all of that. But at the very end of the story, Jesus says these words, the harvesters are paid good wages and the fruit they, the fruit they harvest. Now listen, to, for those of us that are sharing Christ and living for Christ, he's saying the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. Jesus gives this brief little huge big picture when he's talking about the harvest. He said, now I want you to be clear about the harvest. The harvest is people brought to eternal life. Man, I missed that for years, that that's the whole big picture why Jesus came and why the harvest. And he has lots of stories about the harvest. And that's just a little side thing that, that, that I, I caught years ago. Uh, that really caught my attention. So Zacchaeus says, he sees me, he knows me, and Jesus wants me. He wants me. Of all of this crowd everywhere, who knows how many hundreds, maybe thousands of people, Jesus looks up at one little guy 
who's one of the greatest sinners according to the population of all, everybody in town. And he says, Zacchaeus, come down out of that tree. I want to be at your house today. Wow. You know, and that's what Jesus says to every one of our homes. Every home in Russellville, Missouri. Every home on the rural route of Russellville. God wants to be in their home. God wants to dwell in their home. And that's what he said to Zacchaeus. He said, I want to be with you. I want to live with you. I came that they might have life and that they may have it abundantly. That's what Jesus said. I want to live and be with you in your home. The word there is dwell. I want to be in your dwelling place, your home, your house. We used to call that years ago our, uh, our dwelling place. And when we were in Argentina and you moved from one house to another, you had to go to the police station and you had to tell them that you had moved and you have in Spanish, what is your new dwelling address? Where you're living, where you've just uh, taken up housing. And we want to know where you're at. We want to know where you're living at all time. And Jesus said to Zacchaeus, I want to dwell in your home. I want to spend time with you. And so he said, Jesus sees me, Jesus wants me, knows me, and Jesus also wants me. But there's another thing, a fourth thing, that's just interesting to me. Because Zacchaeus, I think, said, Jesus needs me. He says, I must abide in your house. I want to dwell with you. You know, about six months ago, I do this fairly often. I pick, a, I pick a word in the Bible that you find a lot in the Bible. And I'll try to find from Genesis to Revelations where that word is located. And one of the words that I studied was dwelling, which goes all the way back to the Old Testament. Uh, when it talks about the tabernacle was the place where Jesus dwelt. And then the Ark of the Covenant was first. And that was a place where Jesus, where God was. And they, you know, the Israelites took the Ark of the Covenant and God said several times, follow the Ark. What he was saying was follow me because he was dwelling in the Ark. Then, then the tabernacle and then the temple. And then Jesus came himself in the New Testament and said, I am the dwelling place. I am where you want to live in me. And then in Ephesians, it says just a ton of times, how do you live in Christ? That dwelling. And that all talks about relationships, doesn't it? Jesus wants to have that intimate relationship, especially in our home. So I ask ourselves the question, I ask myself the question from time to time, what does Jesus see as the dwelling place of him in our homes? What does that look like in your house? Jesus said as Zacchaeus, I want to dwell in your home. I want to be with everybody in your home. Because in the end it says that Zacchaeus and his whole household was saved. What does that look like, that dwelling place? I have a friend of mine in Argentina. His name is Oscar. Oscar. And... Uh, 
We were doing some visitation one day. We were walking around town in the town of La Falda where we lived. And he said, I want you to go by and meet a guy that I've known for years. His name is Alfredo. And uh, Alfredo uh, operates a little sewing shop. Back then, there was a shop for everything. You went to the chicken store. You went to the beef store. You went to the uh, chicken store. You went to the sewing store. Uh, everybody had a little shop. You just couldn't go and get everything at one time. Sometimes Janine would send me, it take me an hour and a half to get everything on her list that was all over town. And so Oscar said, let's go by, I want, you, I want you to meet Alfredo. And so we went by and we visited with him for a while. And two things that Oscar said to Alfredo in his little store that really caught my attention He said to him, I love you, God loves you, and I'm praying for you. Actually, that was three things, wasn't it? Not just two. I was just seeing if you caught it or not. It was really three little things. So when we got out of the shop and we're walking back up the hill, I asked him, I said, "Uh, Oscar, I said, I caught what you were saying here about you stopped by Often, And I said, well, how often do you stop by his shop? And do you, is that the same thing you say? He said, yeah, pretty well every time I tell him. God loves him. I love him. And uh, that's it. I pray him for him. And I said, well, how often do you do this? He said, every Friday. I said, you stop by every Friday? He said, yeah. Every Friday. So I said, well, how, how long have you been doing this? He said, seven years. I just kind of shook my head and said, you come by here every Friday. You say the same thing to Alfredo. And you've done it for seven years. He said, that's right. Seven years. Because I believe that God wants to be in his home and in his store. And I believe that with all of my heart. So a few months went by, I don't know, two, three, four months went by, and one Sunday night, that's when they have their big service more than Sunday morning, Alfredo walked in the back of the door. I can almost see him walking in the door that night. He worshiped with us, didn't sing any of the songs because he didn't know one, any of the songs, but he was there. Four or five Sundays went by. He came every Sunday, every Sunday. And I'll never forget the night when we gave the invitation. And Alfredo was about halfway back in the church building. And he started walking forward. And he started walking forward to the front. And I talked to him for a little while. We prayed together. And he gave his life to Christ. And he wanted to tell everybody how grateful he was that Oscar for seven years came by his house because he was concerned that Jesus was not living in his home and his business. You know, 
Honestly, Latins are a little bit emotional sometimes for me. But everybody started jumping with joy. I've never seen people jump with joy before. And people just started crying. Because for seven years, Oscar was faithful to be concerned about Alfredo and that Jesus wasn't living in his home. Now, I love this story because, in essence, Zacchaeus said to Jesus, I know you see me. I know you know me. I know you want me. And I know you need me. And Jesus, you can have me. You can have me. I'm, I'm yours. I know everybody hates me out here in my own city. But I know that you love me. And to prove to you that you are changing my life, I'm going to give back to people. Matter of fact, those that I cheated on taxes, I'm going to give them four times what I cheated. Now, that shows some repentance, doesn't it? It shows a change of heart. I mean, if he stole $1,000, he's going to give 4000 back to the family. And see, Jesus expects a change of heart and life when he comes and dwells in our home. He expects our home to look different when Jesus comes and dwells with us. And he expects us to give back to the kingdom of God and tell others about Jesus, that Jesus may one day be in their home. You might know of someone here in the Russellville area that Jesus doesn't dwell in their home. He doesn't live there. He doesn't rule in that home. I would encourage you to start doing exactly what Oscar did, Oscar did. Begin praying. Begin loving on that family. Begin letting them know that you care about them. You know, after seven years, Alfredo knew this Oscar guy, he cares about me. He won't give up. He won't quit. He just keeps coming by my store and telling me that he loves me, God loves me, and he's praying for me. Until one day he walked that aisle and he said, Jesus, you can have me. Just, I'm yours. Everything that there is, I'm yours. So I don't know where you're at today. Maybe you're here this morning and you realized how much Jesus sees you and he knows you and he still loves you. He loves you passionately. He doesn't care all the sinfulness in your life. He knows it all. He's not shocked by it. He knows it. He's seen it all, Proverbs says. He's seen it all. But he still says, I want you to come and I want to live with you. I want you to give me your life. I want you to sacrifice your life for me. And he says, I will save you. I will save you. You and your household. So if you're here this morning, you're not a Christian. You've never given your life to Christ. Maybe because you think 
whatever. But today, Jesus is saying to you, I died for you and I want to live with you and I want to forgive you of all of your sins and I want to give you a new life, but not just a new life. I want to give you abundant life. That's what I want to do for you today. Maybe you're a believer today and your whole household are believers today and thank God for that. But do you know of anybody in the area, anybody that you work with in Jeff City, anybody that you play ball with or whatever the case might be, young people, old people, whatever, are you praying for anybody who's lost? Do you have a list that you're faithfully praying and saying, God, I'm praying for the salvation of this family or this person. And you're not gonna quit praying. And you're not gonna quit loving on them or maybe you're gonna start loving on them for the first time that they would experience the love of Jesus because you just stop by and say hi or whatever the case might be and you tell them, I'm, I'm here for you, I'm praying for you, whatever the Lord leads you to do. But who's on that list that you're praying for that will come to Jesus? Who is that person, that family?